0: What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we're going to recap the NFL draft by diving into the biggest draft day steals, identifying the best and worst fits for players and teams, and crowning our draft winners and losers. We also explore Jordan Love being selected by the Packers in the first round, and Jalen Hurts being selected by the Eagles in the third round. All that and much more coming your way right now. Going on, Nick. How are you doing?
1: Doing pretty well. Uh, it's uh, we finally got some sports back into our life. Thank the um, Lord, huh? Yeah, uh, we finally have something to to talk about, to debate about, um, something to get our blood flowing, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we had the draft on Thursday, and you know that started off. I mean, to me, for the most part, it was pretty smooth. It was nothing out of the ordinary. We didn't see too much that we were you know surprised about but there were a couple things you know i think for me at least it started with isaiah simmons going to the cardinals um and that that was a surprise and then uh we had cesar ruiz to the the saints who seemed to have a pretty stellar offensive line it's like why did i why did they need another offensive lineman yeah specifically
0: a center you know like they seemed like they were pretty set there
1: right because last year they got eric mccoy and you know he was great last year so why are you doubling up in a position where you just have a, you have a young guy already. And then the biggest one of them all Jordan love to the Packers. And the, this is the one, some people were like, ah, kind of makes sense. But then you really take a look at it. And you're like, wait, what? Aaron Rodgers is four years left on his contract. By the time this guy starts, he'll be in his fifth year. You'll you know, have had to pay him like $20 million that year. And just to see if he can do it, it's a prove it year. And then you have to decide whether you want to give him big bucks or move on uh, and start over. So, there, there that was a huge question mark, and I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers was too happy about that decision um but yeah that, that was just the start of it and, and it got um that there were there were a lot more questionable decisions moving forward especially with New England um they seemed to have a pretty rocky draft overall uh didn't make a whole lot of sense and then there were you know other teams like the, the Seattle Seahawks again seemed like they had pretty glaring issues and they didn't want to address them so there there were some teams that that really came away as as uh big big winners and some that seemed like they, they were kind of caught off guard by this whole thing and uh weren't really ready for some of the selections that were made
0: yeah i mean you talked about some of those those losers but uh i mean there were definitely some winners and obviously there were some choices that were questionable at best. Um, and then some question, some question when certain players were going to go, uh, a lot of mock drafts had players going in specific, uh, slots and they were like, there's no way they get past this, this round, you know, or this, this selection. Um, and you know, we kind of saw some of those players slip and we were like, why, why is this player slipping? What's happening? What do these teams know that we don't know? So I, I think there was a lot of intrigue, uh, obviously with everything that's going on in the world, this ended up being the most televised, most watched NFL draft of all time. I mean, every, every sports fan on the planet is looking for something and, you know, they, they got the NFL draft right in the middle of everything. So I, I think, you know, this is, um, This was a great way to kind of deter our thinking from the real world, uh, you know, things that are happening. And, uh, you know, we were able to focus on sports for the first time in a long time. So I I was kind of thankful for that. I want to jump into the first topic, though. Um, Draft steals. And I'm going to let you take the first one. Uh, Who do you think was the biggest draft steal uh, in the NFL?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that I kind of debated for a little while um you know there were there were some choices um but when it came down to it a team like the bills who gave up their first round pick to go get stefan diggs it made a lot of sense because they were going to be picking at 21 22 uh and and they would have gotten a guy like justin jefferson um but why not go get a guy like stefan diggs who has four years left on his deal and has proven it in the nfl that even when uh, uh adam thielen wasn't on the field this guy can be double, triple covered. Gonna make plays. Mm-hmm. He he is almost like Calvin Johnson in a way. He's you know, not the physical size, but he can be you know smothered, and he's going to make stuff happen. He gives he has that huge big play ability, and, and that would that is totally worth their first round pick. Now they had two second round picks that things kind of fell into their lap a little bit. Um, the first one being AJ Epinesa. This is a guy who started out as someone who could be picked in the top, in the teens. And then he, uh, dropped, 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 thought, you know, some people had him in the, you know, really early second round and they kept dropping, dropping, dropping. And at 54, he's still available like that. That was insane. And a team like the Bills, who was absolutely amazing at developing their front seven, they have always had a strong pass rush, and now they go get a guy like AJ Benesa, who did it at Iowa, who was extremely strong there, who practiced against Tristan Wirfs, one of the best tackles in this draft, right? Every, every like every week, now gets to you know develop on this line, who's already star studded. The Bills added to this uh, front seven in in off uh, the offseason. and so they got AJ Klein and um, uh, Mario Addison, and then you. Uh, you know, so so having having him on there is only going to make them that much stronger on defense. Now, yeah, on the I'm... other side of the ball, oh, go ahead. On the other side of the ball, you have a you have a guy, uh, Devin Singletary, who uh, had some injuries last season as a rookie, but truly showed that he is going to be their bell cow. He can he can um, tote the rock and be their guy for the, the foreseeable future. But they know that he has those injury issues, and what do they do? They see that. One of the best running backs in the draft, according to PFF, the best running back in the draft, Zach Moss, is still on the board with their second, uh, their second, second round pick. Uh, and, and they double up at their running back position and go get him. And now you add arguably, uh, one of the you know, top five one two punch in the league. I think that you know, it's young, it's, it's hard to see, uh, because they haven't really shown much. Obviously, Zach Moss is, hasn't played yet, but. Devin Singletary is strong. You add a guy like Zach Moss, who is, you know, possibly Frank Gore to a level. He runs through guys. He is extremely strong and does not. He's fearless. He does not care who you are. He is going to test you. And half the time, more than half the time, he is going to win. And so having a guy who can offset Devin Singletary like that is going to be great for the offense. Great for Josh Allen. He can catch the ball, so he'll be a passing attack weapon. I think that the Bills clearly had the steals of the draft just by letting guys fall to them.
0: Yeah, I mean the Bills did. They they did just that, right? They they had an incredible uh, slew of picks that they didn't expect to be able to make. Um, it just seemed like you know. Every time they were on the board, we were like, How is that person still available? And then they were, I think they were asking themselves the same question, especially with Epinesa on the board. You take a player like Ed Oliver, who they took at the top of last year's draft and really helped develop the interior of that defensive line. And now you're taking a young guy like Epinesa, you throw Mario Addison opposite of them and now all of a sudden i mean you talk about a front 7 talk about a front 4 that front 4 is going to get pressure like nobody's business and they're honestly going to create a lot of havoc for offensive coordinators and offensive lines coming throughout their league and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch for sure um this is this Bills team is no joke and they were built you know, like Sean McDermott wants, a strong defense. And now, like you said, adding Zach Moss to offset De- Devin Singletary, it- it's a strong defense and they're getting back to running the football and they're getting back to basics, not mm-hmm. all of this the nonsense about, you know, trickery and, you know, fast, fast wide receivers and everything like that. Yeah, so- Sean McDermott is clearly putting together
1: uh, – t- I think, a Super Bowl contender. I think this Bills team is was close last year, and now they added two huge weapons that are going to bring them a lot farther.
0: Absolutely. Um, but somebody that I want to highlight as a draft steal, and I think it's more or less a, a culmination of just him falling into the best possible situation, would be the Cowboys selecting CeeDee Lamb at 17th overall. How this man was still available is beyond me because the— he was supposed to be the number one receiver going into this draft. People pegged him as the next DeAndre Hopkins. They they expect him to do great things. If you watch any of his tape, if you throw the ball anywhere where his body can touch it, he catches it. He makes acrobatic plays. He can run every single route on the route tree. He can take the top off the defense. He can go underneath, and he's not afraid to put a shoulder into a defensive back. Um, he really does it all, and I think that he is the exact complement to Amari Cooper that the Cowboys needed to re- truly give Dak Prescott the star power around him that he needs. Um, because, you you know, you're going to divest a lot of, uh, of resources into covering Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and whoever they have going underneath. Well, what about that guy in the backfield named Ezekiel Elliott? Now what? I mean, he if you put, uh, you know, uh, more coverage guys out there, he's going to run right through them. And then if you try to put a lot of, uh, you know, run defenders out there, they're just going to take the top off the defense. So the Cowboys are going to have a very big stranglehold on some defenses going going forward. And I think it was uh, a really good opportunity and. You know, you talked about the Bills just staying pat, staying where they are and letting players fall to them. I mean, the Cowboys did that to a T, and I, I don't think there's a, a better way to showcase just standing pat, standing in your lane and saying, all right, we'll, we'll just figure out who falls to us, and we're not going to we're not gonna trade away, and we're not going to try to get fancy. We're going to just do our thing.
1: Yeah, and it's surprising coming from a guy like Jerry Jones who loves to wheel and deal, and to see a guy like that just stand pat and, and – took this honestly the, the simplest approach in this draft just I, I don't know how no one usually is able to sit there and let the best players fall to them it's just not something i think there were a lot of teams kind of overthinking things and with the people knew how deep this wide receiver class was but i think they're taking for granted how much better cd lam a guy like cd lamb is than the rest and so you're like well we can get a solid guy you know a couple picks later so there's no need to push up for a guy like Ceedee lamb but if you really look at it Ceedee lamb is this much of uh, you know he's that far apart from the next guy on the list and he's he's really like you said really gonna make a difference for them really gonna be great uh paired with amari cooper and
0: And he was the third receiver off the board. I mean, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy (laughs) went before him. I mean, I don't understand what the Raiders and the Broncos were thinking. I mean, well, I can understand Jerry Jerry Judy Judy is one, I understand. But Henry Ruggs, I mean, they clearly just wanted to take a page out of their division rival Kansas City Chiefs playbook and get the fastest guy they could possibly find and say, you're just going to create havoc down the field. And we're going to, I'm not going to question the
1: Raiders and Mike Mayack too much because. Mike Mayox, uh, last year was his first year as the GM for the Raiders, and he seemed to have found players that are difference makers. They may not have stood out. You know, Cleveland Farrell was the fourth overall pick, their first pick in the first round last year, and he didn't, you know, live up to the fourth round pick. You know, he was, um, he only had four, four and a half sacks, but then, you know, he got a late guy, Max Crosby, who was a difference maker. You have a guy like John Abraham, really didn't get the flash, but we know is going to be huge uh, for the, for the Raiders. So they're, they're adding players that will work. And I think, I, I don't think we can really question him too much because he hasn't faulted just yet. Um, so, but like you said, uh, just, you know, keep pushing this CD lamb, absolutely amazing. Should never have fallen to 17. It's, it's a, you know, disgrace to, to, you know, look at it as if he's he is not a good player he's going to be a baller in this league he is going to be one of the best receivers um and i think that this possibly could be the move that separates the the cowboys from the rest of the nfc east you know because when you look at that the cornerback talent it was hard enough for anybody in the division to cover amari cooper as it was now you have to cover two of them yeah, I mean, Amari, I think, Cooper, honestly,
0: Amari Cooper got in his own way a lot of times. If you look at his splits, especially on the road, he struggled catching the ball. You're not getting that with CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, like I said, catches absolutely everything. So even if you are going to divest resources to cover him, CeeDee Lamb is going to be wide open. Or if you switch it up, Amari Cooper is going to be wide open. And I, I think that's, I mean, who do you want your number two corner really covering? CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper? Th- there's no I right answer. Think-
1: I think CD Lamb is even better than Amari Cooper. As hard you know, as crazy I think he it can is to become, say,
0: I think he can become better. Absolutely,
1: yeah. And now you've got a um, a good offensive coach, offensive minded head coach uh, with Mike McCarthy. You know, he's going to help develop Dak Prescott even more than Jason Garrett did, and that's only going to propel Dak Prescott to make Amari a better wide receiver and CD Lamb even better. Yeah. Uh, and you have Ezekiel Elliott in the background. Plus that defense they're, they're on the road to, um, you know, uh, great things. And I, I, I'm pretty sure you touched upon this Trayvon Diggs um, in the second round. I didn't, Get I didn't it. talk about him. So Trayvon Diggs, great wide receiver. I really, 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 really love this guy's tape coming out of Alabama. He is once he, he's able to recover quickly. He has great agility, great, elusiveness and and having those traits as a corner is imperative because you aren't going to be able to stick with a guy every single time but having the ability to recover Deion Sanders was terrible he could not stay with someone like more than half the time and his ability to make plays on the ball came from his sheer athleticism and Trayvon Diggs has a lot of those traits He's able to recover, able to jump, able to bend his bodies in in ways that others can't, and that's gonna help create a lot of turnovers and you know create a lot of differences for that defense. It's a guy that they've been looking for. He will eventually, I think, take over as their number one corner. Uh, but as it stands, their their one two punch got a lot better. Um, you know, I think he'll he'll shine a lot more than byron jones ever did
0: yeah absolutely i i think that there were some really good steals and i think um even more so i think there were some some good players that went into the perfect situation and i think there were some players that went into bad situations and mm-hmm. uh, i i want to get your take uh who do you think went into the best situation for them and who do you think went into the worst
1: situation well i so first the best fit for me was Jedrick Wills. And, you know, it's kind of weird to say, offensive lineman, how could that work? Well, the the Browns were stout. Like, they, their uh, roster was set up last year. They had almost all of the pieces. Now in this offseason, they go get Austin Hooper. They get uh, an amazing uh, wide uh, tight end to pair with David Njoku. I don't know how anybody's going to stop them, let alone having to stop Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. And and now they go get Jack Conklin. They had the, the biggest issue was offensive line for them. They go get um, uh, Jack Conklin. They solidified that right side. They had Joel Bytoni on J C Treder in the middle, um, and so you didn't need to really work on the interior, and so that really left one true position to fill. And you go get Jedrick Wills, who I think is the best offensive lineman in the draft. He, he is an amazing run blocker, an amazing pass blocker. He Nick, Nick Chubb, we saw it last year. He had a 1,000-yard season with a terrible offensive line, something Baker Mayfield was struggling with all season, and, and he had no issues. So now that he has an offensive line to run, around, run behind, it's going to make him so much better. And Jedrick Wills is going to be a, a huge piece. I don't think because there are so many supporting pieces on that offensive line, Jedrick Wills is going to have an easier time at, his, at playing left tackle than he did at Alabama. He is going to be able to handle his one-on-one matchups. He, he is in a situation where he will thrive. Uh, you know, uh, their, their new head coach is going to, um, you know, he, he came from the Vikings' offensive system where it was run heavy, and I think with Jedrick Wills being a very uh, run-strong offensive lineman, He'll be able to get out there in um out out in the open field and just bulldoze people, push them back, and and create lanes. and I don't think you know if you put a guy who's successful in one situation and the and the coach is, is you know has a system where that is exactly what they do that you know his niche fits my niche. That's a that's a perfect situation for me, and I think Jedrick Wills um, will will be you know. Uh, the the next big offensive lineman in the league, and and he is the the perfect piece for the Browns, and that's why I think the Browns are are set up for major success this season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that Jedrick Wills went to a great spot. I think that Cleveland brand, the Cleveland uh, faithful. Uh, should be very happy with the selection. You're protecting your franchise quarterback. You have a one-two punch in uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt that is really going to thrive behind this offensive line. Um, you got the wide receivers in place last year. You saw what they were mm-hmm. able to do. Um, yeah. Uh, It's I think it's a a win-win for both the player and the team. Um, I'm going to give my best player, too. I think it was Javon Kinlaw. I think the defensive tackle going to the San Francisco 49ers was just the absolute icing on the cake for me. I mean, you talk about the San Francisco 49ers last year. They lost to Forrest Buckner. Okay, but then they just replaced him with arguably the second best defensive tackle in the draft and the best 4-3. Uh, defensive tackle in this draft and that being Javon Kinlaw he's one of the most athletic defensive tackles you can find um and and I think they're going to utilize him in more ways than just you know run stuffing and rushing the passer I think that you're going to see him drop into coverage a couple times just on uh, on sneak plays drop the defensive tackle as like a small spy because he can keep up with quarterbacks and he's, oh, yeah. he's strong enough to handle the middle of the line um I think that this was a perfect fit because if there's one coach and GM who's willing to take a risk and do, do some crazy things, I think you're looking at San Francisco with, uh, you know, John Lynch and, uh, Kyle Shanahan, those guys really know what they're doing and they, they love versatility. They love the ability to kind of move chess pieces around the board and, and kind of, uh, confuse their opponents. And I think, um, you know this. This was with the pick that they traded to. Uh, they got from the Colts because of the DeForest Buckner trade. So you just you simply just replaced DeForest Buckner with another player that you're going to have under rookie contract for the next five years. I think this is an absolute fit uh, for both the 49ers and Kinlaw. I don't think he should he should be extremely happy
1: for where he went, especially a team that was just in the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, you you go you trade away DeForest Buckner like you said, and and now you're pretty much getting a younger uh DeForest Buckner who's going to perform at a high level right away and not only is Javon Kinloa a beast by himself but now you put him on that line with Ark Armstead, Joey Bosa, D Ford, Nick uh, Bosa. Solomon Th- Nick Bosa, um and you know D Ford Solomon Thomas like the, the list goes on and on and they have endless talent. They are, you know, their their defensive line coach, their defensive coordinator, will know exactly what to do with Javon Kinlaw, and he is going to be a mammoth, very hard to stop. Um, he's a man you're going to have to try to double up, but it's going to be near impossible with everybody else to to cover. To uh, and so that that's going to cause a lot of issues. So I, I really like Javon Kinlaw. Uh, he, he he's going to thrive in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I think they're very happy that they were able to turn a uh, former defensive tackle into the next great defensive tackle for the, at least 5 years on a rookie right. contract.
1: Yeah. So, now moving on. Now for for my worst fit. I have Isaiah Simmons. Now, this this kind of comes as uh you know, it it can makes me kind of scratch your head a little bit because he is one of the best defensive players that We've seen in the draft ever And uh, just because of his physical uh, tra- His physical abilities mm-hmm. But when we look at this This is the worst fit And this is a Arizona Cardinals Team that got Devon Kennard, they got Devondre Campbell, they they have Jordan Hicks, they have their Linebackers and I, I Isaiah Simmons He's a safety linebacker But I think he will Make more of an impact as a linebacker But there really is no spot for him in there on, on that line, you know, they run a three a four three defense, and he can play coverage. But you know, do you want him? You know, he's he's not a backup safety, uh, backup linebacker. So now you're pretty much saying you're going to have to play safety and safety only for us because there really is no spot. We can bring you down in the box as you know as a you know to help in the run game, at, um, and in the trenches but I just don't think that limiting this guy's abilities is a good idea for what he's capable of. If he is able to play safety, play nickel corner, play linebacker outside and inside, why, I, I just don't think, that. I think they had bigger needs to, that that could have been filled, and Isaiah Simmons, I'm sure he'll make plays for them, but he, he'll be in a limited capacity. I think he, he'll he be capable of much more than he's actually going to produce. And I think, you know, it's just it's just not the best fit for me. I, I'm not I, – I really didn't like Isaiah Simmons going to the Cardinals. It's not – the the Cardinals, you know, will, will get some use out of him, but Isaiah Simmons really won't be able to show his full potential. I mean, you know, with Isaiah Simmons, I
0: see him as – you know the jack of all trades right like he can rush the passer he can play nickel coverage he can cover opposing line, uh, tight ends um, he can play safety if he wants uh, he can really be put all over the place um and I think one of the biggest question marks is do Cliff Kingsbury and the defensive side of the Arizona Cardinals? Are they willing to do that or are they going to keep him in place? Because if I were to guess, I don't think they're going to use him properly. And I think that's that's why I'm kind of with you on one of these uh, on the worst fits, because I think he's not going to be able to showcase his his complete talent. Um, You know, I look at somebody like, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew. Right. All right they they play a lot of the same obviously Isaiah Simmons physically is completely different but yeah. scheme wise they they play a lot of the same positions nickel back they can play safety they can be in the box um they blitz everything so right. i th- i think Isaiah Simmons i think they want him for that purpose but again i mean they didn't utilize Tyron Matthew to the best of his ability and i i just don't i hope that they learned but I, I don't know if they they I don't well, it's know that they Also a different
1: did. system, you know. They they have new coaches since Tyron was there. True. True. Um, so so the guys who even got Tyron Matthew and figured finally figured out what to do with him, you know, when it was too late, now aren't even there. And so these guys are gonna have to learn all over, you know, for the first time what to do with this talent. And I don't think that's the smart situation. He should have gone to a place where he could have moved around where there were ho- multiple holes in the in the system where he could play safety, uh, he could play linebacker, because if you're able to move a guy around and put him in the best situation in different, you know, it, move him around in different packages and, and continue, continuously keep him on the field, you know, you don't want a guy like Isaiah Simmons off the field because he can make a play every single down. And now, you know, he, with limitations, you know, what if you're in a single, you know, single high safety are you gonna bring him in as a linebacker? Are you gonna you know are, are you gonna sit him out? Like what what are you gonna do? Because they have Buddha Baker, who I think has been in that system. He proved himself last year. He was a Pro Bowler. This guy is you know clearly a talented safety, and I think you, you, I'd rather have a guy like Buddha Baker on the field in single high safety um, than than a guy like Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. So I I, I, agree. I, I don't. There's there's a lot of limitations, and, and that's where my concern comes in. Sure. Um,
0: yeah, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse too much, but I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I want to go with my worst, and it's more, It's it's not just a worst fit. I think it was one of the worst selections in the first round that you could have found. Oh, yeah. And this was the Raiders choosing cornerback Damon Arnett. Uh, Damon Arnett, I believe, was the third corner taken.
1: Yeah, right behind C.J. Henderson. Yep. Right. So he was taken. He 20th. was taken before Christian Arnett. Fulton. He was taken before
0: yep. um, Jeff Gladney. Uh, there were so many. I think he was the ninth ranked corner. And they took yep. him at the, as the third corner
1: in the first round. Um, I th- actually think he was the fourth. I think uh, A.J. Terrell was taken by the... Falcons at 17. Okay, even so, AJ
0: Terrell being being taken it did it still doesn't make up for the fact that this guy was a who when you when he was selected. I think everybody collectively said that at the same time because we truly didn't understand what the Raiders were doing. This is a guy they could have easily gotten in the second round and there were plenty plenty of players that they could have chosen at their position in the first round. I just I struggled to understand what Mike Mayock and John Gruden were thinking when they chose this guy. They clearly believe in him more than I think everyone else. But like I said, they could have easily chosen him in the second round.
1: He would have still been there um, when when their selection came up. Even even though they didn't, I don't believe they had a second round selection. Or it was maybe it was like late second round. Um, but they had two-thirds. They could have moved up and, and gotten him in the second round. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and used use this first-round pick on somebody else, a, another um, player that, that you know could fill another hole. Yeah, Damon Arnett, you know, I, I don't know too much about him, and that's because he was just so far down the list. He was, like, the seventh, eighth corner in the, in the draft class. And, you know, this is where I have to really rely on Mike Mayock. This is, you know, Mike Mayock, before he was a GM... He spent many years evaluating talent, evaluating college talent, and so I have to think he's going to continue those abilities, using those abilities as a general manager, and he sees something in this guy that John Gruden will be able to work with. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but we're going to have to see. This is kind of like a TBD, you know, type of player, and it's gonna, I don't think it's going to really pan out for them. I think this is going to be a blunder, uh, but Damon Arnett. Uh, it's just it's a huge head scratcher. It really doesn't make any sense. He he fills a hole, and I think that's why I was kind of resilient on making him my least you know work you know worst fit because he does fill a hole. He has a purpose. But I mean, his again, his purpose it, was, I, was I, that he was the he was one of the faster
0: corners coming out of the draft, and I think that they got him specifically for the Kansas City Chiefs. This was their answer to the Chiefs both having uh, Tyree Kill and Miko Hardman Meikle Hardman correct so just it, i understand it from that aspect but again this is a player you could have gotten in the second or third round and you took him with the fir- your second first round pick there were plenty of players still available and it's not like the Raiders don't have other holes that they couldn't have filled you know at the same time so i i think that this was a big swing and a miss i don't like the the pick i i don't the fit doesn't uh matter too much, but the pick itself uh, I definitely struggle with understanding
1: absolutely yeah it doesn't make much
0: sense um I think another head scratcher, if you will uh, comes from some of the quarterback selections that we saw over the weekend. And, um, the first one that I want to bring to light, and I'm sure everybody is aware by now would be, uh, Jordan love heading to the Packers in the first round. Um, I honestly just, a I from me, a huge blunder by the green Bay Packers. Uh, again, this is another player that they could have selected later on in the draft. Um, I just don't think that they needed to spend a first round pick on a quarterback when Aaron Rodgers is still under center uh, and is under contract for four more years. I think that's the biggest issue that I have here is that, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has four more years on his contract. This has a maximum of five years. That means you're giving this guy a possibility of starting for one year just to evaluate him and four years in practice. I I think that there's a there's gotta be something else going on here. So the way I labeled this was head scratching, but understandable. I understand that you need a uh f- you need a long term plan behind Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. You don't wanna get into uh the same issues that the Patriots found themselves in after having to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and then Brady walking out on them as well. Um I, I think that this is this is Green Bay's way of saying, listen, we know that, you know this is the end of the road. And, uh, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the same player. He's continuing to decline a little bit. Um, I think this is their way of, of making sure that they have an answer. Uh, and I, one thing I also saw, and I, I tend to agree with, Aaron Rodgers is very outspoken. He demands a lot from his team. Uh, I think this is a way for the team to get a little leverage back in their in their uh, relationship with Aaron Rodgers, um, I, I think this is a way that they can light a fire under him to work harder to show him that he's not the only quarterback worthy of starting on the roster and that they were able, they were willing to divest some of their re- top resources to getting a replacement quarterback. And they're not, they're going to be willing to re- uh, remove him if he continues to uh, act out and continues to, Make a nuisance of himself, especially with Matt Lafleur.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was no question that Jordan Love came into the draft as somebody who needs to—he's—he's he's raw talent, raw ability, and is going to need to be coached up. And it makes it makes sense to put him behind a veteran quarterback, but again, not behind somebody who you're gonna you want for the foreseeable future, you're gonna have for the foreseeable future. Uh, 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 you know, a future Hall of Famer, and Aaron Rodgers just doesn't make a lot of sense. He could have... It, it might take a year, it might take two years to develop Jordan Love, but four years, that's absurd. I mean, I understand what they're trying to... You know, their they're thinking is, hey, we did it once, we can do it again. And I just don't think that... It's it's not common in today's NFL to sit on a guy, especially a first-round pick, for that long. It, it It's not... It just, I don't like the fit. Jordan Love is going to, you know, like you said, Aaron Rodgers this is going to light a fire under him because he asked for more weapons and they have the, you know, in the 15, last 15 years, the Packers haven't gotten a, uh, a, a wide like receiver. a positional player, they a wide receiver, any um, uh, playmaker in the first round. On the offensive and side of the ball. On, on the off- Yeah. And so now you go get Jordan Love and this only, you know, this is going to piss him off. This is, and and now you, but and not only pisses him off, but now you have to, he has to train this guy. He has to teach him <laughs> There's every, no pretty much everything me. he knows. We've heard so many stories of Aaron Rodgers Just, you know, he, he doesn't care about his teammates that much. He's, he's so self-centered and cocky and it's all about him. And, you know when it's all about him, and now he's angry. When when you don't like a guy, when when you see a threat, and and you're now you now have to you know face that threat head on by teaching him and seeing him every day. It's just not going to work. That's a that's cause for disaster, and I don't see it working out. I don't think Jordan Love, even if he's you know, Aaron Rodgers finishes the, his contract there. And then retires or moves on, and then Jordan Love takes over. Is he really going to have learned four years worth of knowledge from Aaron Rodgers? Will Will that translate? Will that even translate to the football field? What are you really going to get out of Jordan Love after this experiment is over? Because that's really what this is, and it was a complete waste. That they, my guess is that Aaron
0: Rodgers isn't going to last his entire contract. If I w- if I were mm-hmm. a betting man, and I'm not. Um, I would say that Aaron Rodgers will not play the his entirety play the entirety of his contract in Green Bay I would imagine that they will either release him or work out a trade with somebody that's quarterback needy maybe in the you know final years of a window that they have maybe Pittsburgh Um, you know they might have an opportunity to kind of compete but they need somebody who can who has experience and can get them over the hump i think that that's where you see him in the next two to three years but
1: yeah i mean i could i could definitely see that scenario i could also see another tom brady garoppolo situation where a team calls up like hey i want aaron Rodgers," and they're like you're absolutely crazy all right give me jordan love and they're like all right it's gonna cost this and then they you know that's exactly you know i, I could see that happening again for another team that will need a, a quarterback will be in the market and is willing to pay the price uh because they're going to get a quarterback who's been on your um an uh superstar uh, and they they are ready to rock and roll um you know we're going to get our first taste of Jordan Love to see what he is right off the bat in the preseason and then i guess really the next time we're going to get to see him is in the following preseason right before the 2021 season so, you're you're gonna have to. We'll see some improvement, and you know maybe if there is a big leap from one preseason to the next, that's when another team pulls the trigger and calls up Green Bay and says, "Hey, we wanna." trade for this guy and if not you know maybe you'll be willing to trade this guy you know right one you know they'll, they'll probably call about both of them see which one they can get which <laughs> one is the better deal
0: i mean that's what san francisco did right just to bring yeah, people back to I, that san francisco called a, the patriots and said you know <clears throat> what's it gonna take to trade tom brady and bill belichick almost hung up the phone and then there john lynch was like all right well how about jimmy garoppolo and then they worked out a trade and the rest is history so yeah, and, I, I mean, that it, I understand all, that
1: that all started because there was, you know, rumors that Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo were not getting along. And so if I'm sure we are going to hear reports about Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers not getting along, and that's when a team, if the, you know, if Jordan Love has been in the system long enough and, and learned, you know, something from Aaron Rodgers, that's when, uh, that's when it's going to be easier because then the team making that call wanting to get that player has the leverage because you know the the, they're going to have they know they're going to have to move one of them and it's usually going to be the guy the you know young guy who is inexperienced hasn't proven himself because you want to stick with your Tom Brady your Aaron Rodgers the the surefire weapon that you know can get you to Super Bowl year in and year out yeah absolutely um
0: I want to kind of move on from that though and I want to talk about another head-scratching quarterback selection that we saw in the draft and that was uh Jalen Hurts in the third round going to the Eagles um I think Eagles fans were a little questioned at at Howie Roseman and saying what are you doing here we clearly have our franchise guy in Carson Wentz and now you're taking a third round asset which there were plenty of players that the Eagles could have used on the board still and they decided to divert that atten- uh, attention to Jalen Hurts and it was very interesting to me uh that they were willing to do that and then you look at Howie Roseman and he was quoted as saying that that he wants the Eagles to be a quarterback factory um, I don't know if he meant to use those words, but the fact that he did is v- a huge cause co- for concern. The fact that the Eagles are a quarterback factory is not a good thing. Okay. You don't want to be churning out quarterbacks year after year after year. That is not what you want to do. And you do, you especially do not want to have to spend a third round pick as an insurance policy for your franchise quarterback. So I I mean, maybe I'm missing something here, but Nick, what do you
1: think? Like, was this, did this make sense to you? Kind of. And I think we're going to disagree a little bit here. I don't mind them taking Jalen Hurts. I thought it was premature. I thought a guy like Jacob Eason has more talent right off the bat than Jalen Hurts. But you, when you have a guy like Carson Wentz, who has pretty good speed and, uh, you know, great size uh, for the quarterback position, he, you know, he'll he be able to teach Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts seemed to get better, you know, once he left Alabama, went to Oklahoma. He seemed to improve his mechanics and his ability to read the defense. And I think being able to sit behind Carson Wentz, he'll be able to learn much more. He'll be able to develop. And with, you know, that, along with his physical abilities, that can make for a great quarterback. And I think when you know a guy like Carson Wentz who's been hurt twice, you know he's been you know you know, lost two of his what four seasons so far, three seasons. Um, you know he he you you kind of need a an insurance impo- uh, an insurance policy for him. You want somebody who is similar who who you know will be able to play in the same offense and give you a similar output. And I think that Jalen Hurts will be able to do that eventually. It's gonna take, I'd say, at least a half a season, maybe a full season before Hurts is ready to to go in. If Carson Wentz were to go down, and that's kind of exactly you know right around the timeline where I would expect Carson Wentz to go down. I don't think I think the Eagles are expecting Carson Wentz to not be there you know, franchise quarterback at this point, if he goes down one more time, you know, he, he is three strikes and he's already used two of them up. So one more and they have to call it on him. They won't be able to give him that big contract, though. They will have to move on. And this is a different situation than Jordan Love because he you don't have to wait four years. You have two more years with Carson Wentz on his rookie deal. He's, in, he's going into year four, right? And then he'll have the fifth year option. So then you'll be able, uh, or it, I don't know if he's in his fifth year option now, but no, he's you not. know, the, the, so this is exactly when uh, I think the perfect time because Jalen Hurts gets to develop under Carson Wentz. He doesn't have the veteran experience, but like like you would really want. But he will be able to teach him a lot of things. Carson Wentz has been around the block already because he's had to face adversity multiple times, and he's he's been in the big games. You know, he he didn't play in the Super Bowl, but he was there. He went through the playoffs. He was a part of the team through the process. So he'll be able to teach him what it's like, what that feels like and, and and how to handle it. And I think that that's pretty much all the experience you need. That's when, you know, the coaches will be able to pretty much do the rest, teach him the fundamentals, teach him the mechanics, teach him, you know, what to do in other situations. And, and I think everybody around him will be able to make it work. Doug Peterson, uh, is, is a great coach. I think he'll be able to help him out a lot. Um, so I, I do see a need for a guy like Jalen Hurts because I really don't trust Carson Wentz. I don't think he's gonna be long for the Eagles, possibly even the NFL if this guy can't stay healthy. You know he could be the next you know Chad Pennington. Yeah, but my, my
0: biggest issue is that you you've divested a third round pick into a quarterback that you're you're planning on sitting the bench most of the time. Second I mean, round pick. Oh, yes, sorry, second-round pick. So you're taking a second-round quarterback and saying your entire job is just to be ready for our starter to go down because it's more likely than not that he will. I don't like that. I think that that's a huge red flag. You can't you can't take a second-round pick, which is all too valuable, especially in this year's draft, and you're going to make it... Uh, a backup quarterback, the selection to me, it just does not make sense. I, I understand the rationale that you laid out, but there's no way that you can take what that pick is worth and say, we're not getting like that talent, th- that talent level that we selected is never really going to see the field unless there's an injury involved. And, but I think you, you need
1: to have an insurance policy when you have a guy that two thirds of his career have been lost to injury already. But there's need... there's quarterbacks out there. Go, you can get Andy. Dalton. But Jalen
0: hurts. You could have Jaylen gotten Jameis a... Smith, uh, Jameis Winston. You could get Cam Newton. There's plenty of insurance policies out but there. you use the a second lot, round
1: pick. He's a lot cheaper, and now you have him for four years. You don't have to pay him that much. No, you have him for and three years. A second round pick. I'm pretty sure it's, it's three only years, three years. Anyway, that's still enough time because Carson Wentz. I don't think is long for this team. I, I, I think they're going to have to move on. You can't give this guy $30, 35000000 million a year to play four or five games a season. Then why is he your quarterback now? What's the point? Because he's still on a rookie contract and he's still producing. But now you have an insurance policy for him. So you've had to waste a first round and a second round pick just to create the quarterback position. You know how ridiculous that sounds. Well, the Eagles spent a lot of money in free agency bolstering their defense, and they have they got. Their um, offensive line got worse. They got Jalen Rager, who you know could be the next Deshaun Watson, is going to fill that hole. He, you know, he he's good hands, good speed. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson. Thank you. Um, good hands, good speed. Uh, you know he'll be able to create plays for them alongside you know Deshaun Jackson and, and Alshon Jeffrey. You know they have two you know tight ends already, solid offensive line, so they don't really have many holes. And I think you you can take a flyer at that point on a backup quarterback who could turn into your your franchise at some point. I just I don't
0: like the fact that you've divested. Again, a second round pick and a first round pick into your quarterback position and they're just like one of them is just going to sit there either injured or waiting for the other one to get injured. Like what
1: happens if if say Carson Wentz plays a great season, but they know Jalen Hurts is gonna be capable of taking over quickly, then you can trade him with his fifth year option, sign him to the fifth-year option, trade him and get something back for Carson Wentz. Maybe, but You'll, his you he's can, already hurt that trade value. They're not going to get anything more than a third round pick at this
0: point. They'd be lucky uh, to I'd, get that.
1: It's possible they they might be able to get some more. There are going to be some teams that won't unless be you're able trading to get.
0: with Bill O'Brien, there's no shot <laughs> that you're getting more than a third round pick for Carson Wentz. I mean, Just,
1: hey, you know they they might need to get a new quarterback in Houston if uh, you know Deshaun Watson doesn't like the weapons he has. No, they just and, and they just
0: exercised their his fifth year option, so he's there for two more years at least.
1: Well, yeah, if the if but I'm saying if the relationship goes sour, they might want to get something back for Deshaun Watson because obviously Deshaun Watson is worth a lot more than Carson Wentz, and they'll they'll be able to get. In, I think Bill O'Brien will be able to get at least one first round pick for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, um, probably I I just again two.
0: I w- I want to bring it back to the Eagles. I just I don't. I don't think that this was a good move. I really don't, and and it, I'm sure I you can. I, I'm sure we can both agree. Howie Roseman coming be, coming out with the QB factory comment yeah, was that's it, that it, it was stupid. That was very bad on his part. Like so, yeah, a, and it, a, a GM who has been in the league for uh, God knows how long, eighteen years at this point. Uh, he's been in the league forever, and this is how he talks about his team. That's not a good thing. Like. He no. he should understand that. So I I think that the Eagles have some heavy work to do. And like I said, their offensive line got worse this this offseason. They lost their Pro Bowl left tackle Jason Peters, who's still sitting there in free agency. But I mean, anybody they right. get is but, it's not going to be as nearly as good as he was.
1: Uh, I, well they they already have his backup. They drafted him last year in the first round. So that you know that's that's already set. They don't need Jason Peters got hurt last season and the I can't remember his first name, but their first round pick filled in right away was no issues. I think you know he's their starter for you know for the next 10 15 years. Uh so so that's not an issue. That's what I'm saying there's not many holes. I think there there is room to take a flyer. They they the Eagles are definitely one of the teams that didn't really have a sense of what they were doing, but, and the, and their pit, the picks that were available to them, there, there wasn't much to choose from. So they were like, Hey, let's just, you know, let's take a gamble on, on a couple players. And obviously Jalen hurts was one of them to me. I think it has more potential than not to pay off.
0: Yeah. I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one because I, I just don't like it at all. I There's not one part of me that likes that pick and, you know, not that I'll ever feel bad for Eagles fans, but, um, <laughs> nope. you know, th- they should not be happy, I think, with the selection. And I know plenty of Eagles fans, and they have let me know that they do not like it. So um, let, let's move on. I, I want to finish this out. Um, we've talked a lot about the draft. Obviously, we, we did our draft companions. That was a fun two-night uh, event that we did. Uh, we look to do more of those. We, we'd love more uh, people to come in and watch and join us in the chat. That was that was a fun time. We had a, we had a blast. Um, so overall, I want you to give me your winner and lose one winner, one loser uh, from the draft.
1: Yeah. So my my winner, and this kind of surprised myself honestly, but <laughs> I had to. Uh, you know, at first, uh, in the first round, I have the New Orleans Saints as my winner, and. First round, I was like, "This is a complete waste. You're drafting a center, or you know, an interior lineman, who isn't going to play his first year. You know, they they have Eric McCoy they drafted last year, stud. And then you have Larry Warford and Andres Pete at your guard. Andres Pete just got a huge contract in the offseason Larry Warford, he's going to last year of his contract, but he's still a pro bowler. So what are you doing?" why it doesn't make sense you don't need to develop an interior alignment usually they're plug and play you don't need to do much with them especially in the first round so this didn't make too much sense to me but you know there are reports that they might try to trade larry warford i'm sure there's going to be a team out there you know that will pay for larry warford uh and they'll be able to create more cap room that way and now cesar ruiz now had uh, you know can start so i see the value there it does make sense but then, where I where I really see uh, the value is in rounds two and three, and in in, um, in the I believe the Saints. So they they got Zach Bon and Auden Tate. Um, not Auden Tate. I'm sorry. They got um Adam Trotman with their. I believe they were both in the third round. I don't think they had a second round pick. But Zach Bond made it to the early second round, and this guy was. First-round talent. Every A lot of people had it projected to the Patriots because he looked like Kyle Van Noy. <laughs> but the what came out was, you know, he has a little bit of an injury history. And, you know, pretty much who everybody has. Sounds ones, like the know, perfect who, who Patriots it. pick to me. Right. And <laughs> but this guy kept falling, falling, falling. And he was like, what? This makes absolutely no sense. What is wrong with him? And the re- I don't think there really is anything wrong with him. And the Saints lost A.J. Klein. He went to the Bills. So now there's a clear... There's an immediate hole to be filled... And they are going to—they uh, have the perfect guy for it. I really like. I believe it was in my um, mock draft in the first round. I even had Zach Bell going to them. So now getting him in the third round, great, great steal. I think this guy—he's a heavy hitter. He is, you know, going to take on any challenge. You can play him in pass coverage. You can rush him. He—he's uh, he a, a—he's a pure outside linebacker, and he is going to fit perfectly in the system. I really, really like that. And then you have a guy like Jared Cook who is in the last year of his deal. He's probably gonna retire or move on after after this. And so you need to you need to get someone to develop at the tight end position. And Adam Trotman kept falling. The Patriots picked two tight ends ahead of him. The Bears picked Cole Komet in the first, in the second round. Um, and, and this guy was arguably the second best tight end in, in the draft. You know, this, this tight end class wasn't deep. But Adam Trotman would, seemed to be the clear-cut number two. And having him fall behind Devin Asiasi and Keen, uh, Dalton Keene, Keen, um, it, it just made no sense why this guy was still on the board. And it was almost the third, the, going to the fourth round, day three, and this guy's still available. So the Saints were like, okay, he's still there. Let's move up got him at the end of the third round, and now they have a guy who will be able to learn behind a great tight end in Jerry Cook. He'll be able to get, he'll uh, be on the field quite a bit uh, because they've, they've a solid rotation going in New Orleans with their tight ends. And he gets to get the ball thrown to him by one of the greatest quarterbacks ever in Drew Brees. You know, it's kind of a perfect situation. This is another weapon, you know, the, they had Michael Thomas, they they got Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. They had Jared Cook. Now you had Adam Trotman. and you have Alan Kamara in the back in the back. You know, the the Saints are putting together a team that is going to go toe to toe with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I in my opinion, the New Orleans Saints are the only team in the NFL that will be able to compete with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I, I these are two Titans that will be clashing twice a year. Can't wait to see it. And Adam Trotman... Could be a big difference maker for them. Same for Zach Bond. I think these two guys will make plays and, and really add to the offense and defense for the Saints. So I, I really love them. Yeah. Now, I, oh. you wanna, You wanna, I was going to list my loser, but I don't know if you want to just go. Yeah, with I'll
0: it. go with my winner first. I, I think we're going to start. I'm going to list mine, and I mentioned them at the top of the show, and that was the Dallas Cowboys. I think... They had one of the simplest yet uh, best approaches to this draft, and that was to sit and do nothing and just take the – selections that they have. They weren't going to trade up, they weren't going to trade back, they weren't going to move all around the board like you see some teams do. They were going to just make the selections that they have. They were going to let players fall to them. They understood that this draft was so deep in talent and that not everybody was going to draft according to plan. That meant some players were going to fall, some were going to be taken ahead of them. They kind of let the the pieces, you know, uh play themselves out and then they they did an amazing job. Um, so I just want to go through some of the uh, the picks that they had. They took wide receiver CD Lamb, obviously, in the first round. Uh cornerback Trayvon Diggs, D tackle, Neville Gallimore. Um, they took interior lineman Tyler Biadesh, um, Wisconsin defensive end Bradley Ani, and quarterback uh Ben Danucci. Oh, and they also took cornerback Reggie Robinson. Um Every single pick that they made was a, a higher value than what the pick that they had was. Um just looking at CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Neville Gallimore, and Tyler Biadesh as the the true standouts in their class, Biadesh is going to be the immediate plug-and-play option to replace Travis Frederick, who uh before the draft announced his retirement from football, uh citing some uh health issues that he's had to deal with in the past. Um they repl- they take, you know, um, one Wisconsin guy and then replace him with another Wisconsin another. guy. So I think yeah. that was kind of fun. Um, obviously, we've gone through CeeDee Lamb, what he means to that Cowboys offense. Trayvon Diggs being the back-end help that they needed at corner. Uh, falling to them in the second round was incredible. And then... Um, you know, they, they've done some really good defensive line work this offseason, uh, shoring up that D-line, especially the interior. And now you're taking Neville Gallimore and you're just you're be, you're rich beyond rich at this point, um, because he is going to provide between uh, Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe. Mm-hmm. You have Neville Gallimore as your third option in the middle of the defense with Demarcus Lawrence and um, Greg Hardy. No, not Greg Hardy. Uh, Alden, Alden Smith. Rod. Alden Smith. Alden Smith on the outside. That is one hell of a front four, let me tell you. So the the Cowboys are in a very, very competitive class. I, I think um, obviously... And they also it, got Randy Gregory back. That's true. They did get Randy Gregory back. I mean, all of this while Jerry Jones was drafting from his yacht. I mean, you couldn't have asked for much <laughs> more than that. Um, you know, he, he did everything that he could possibly do. Lamb was a massive upgrade from Randall Cobb, uh, Diggs and Robinson are good re- rebounds from losing Byron Jones to the dolphins. Um, Gallimore gave them another way to get to the quarterback. He's a great pass rushing defensive tackle. He's going to f- learn a lot from Gerald McCoy being there. I think that was a huge pickup for them. I can't overstate that enough. Um, and then you know it was just they just overall did an absolute incredible job and I can't I can't give them enough credit.
1: Yeah, it, it, this really was the the they the right move staying put at what picks you had and, and just picking the best available. That was the they had the best approach. Uh, you know, honestly, they they had a, one of the best approaches and, like you said, Tyler Biedesch, gonna probably be the starter. He'll probably have to compete with Joe Looney, but. Still, you're not, you know, falling short with either of them. So you're, you're going to have still probably the strongest offensive line in the league, no matter who you go with. And you have CeeDee Lamb going to help Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and, you know, every other offensive position because it's a, it's a huge threat the defense has to worry about. And, and then you have, you know, like we said, Trayvon Diggs, Gonna be a star. Him and Jadobi Owusi are going to pair nicely together. I think that it'll be better than. I think Trayvon Diggs will be better than Byron Jones was. And
0: don't the forget Capitals. they have Ha Ha Clinton Dix at safety, so like they have really good defensive backfield that they're all gonna learn and, and grow together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we saw last year Gerald McCoy was in that rotation in Carolina and he he did fairly well there. So now he's in another rotation because they add Neville Gallimore, who is an easy easy starter on every on the, the other 31 rosters. And now now he gets to come in and out. It's going to be extremely hard for an offensive lineman to deal with these guys who are rotating in and out because they're staying healthy, they're staying um, you know, rested and, and and exactly. And it's going to that's going to be tough to deal with for 60 minutes of football. Um, you know in those later quarters have good luck dealing with either Dontari Poe Gino uh, uh Poe Neville, Neville Gallimore or uh, Gerald McCoy right. that, that's that's going to be really tough plus those ends they're they're building a very strong team in Dallas that really is propelling them ahead of everybody else in the division yeah, for sure
0: uh, and how about your loser who did you have as your draft so? Loser?
1: I had the Seattle Seahawks. I absolutely hated their, their first, I think it was like three rounds of picks. So in, in the first round, they draft Jordan Brooks. I talked about Zach, um, uh, Zach Bond, who has a little bit of injury histories, and that's why he was falling. Well, you want to talk about injury histories? Jordan Brooks has had multiple injuries in college, and he, he is a great linebacker. But why are you drafting a guy in the first round when he's going to be on the field less than Carson Wentz will? You know, it just <laughs> doesn't make sense. Uh, you don't waste a first-round pick like that if you know the guy is not going to be there, especially linebacker. You need them there for three downs every game, and, and now you're, you're wasting a, a great pick. And then they go in the second round. You think they're going to go finally address offensive line because you, you want to see Russell Wilson stop running for his life all the time. And nope, they go edge. So they add a linebacker in the first round, now an edge guy who could play outside linebacker or a D D-end for them, Daryl Taylor, who? No one really knows. Who knows what he's going to do? Uh, took him way above where he should have ever gone, probably a third or fourth round guy, uh, and now in the second round, early second round, this guy is not going to, I don't think He's going to be a big playmaker for them. I don't think if you're trying to replace Davion Clowney, this is not the guy to do it. And now that you add an edge guy like this, you're pretty much taking yourself out of the stakes for Jadavion Clowney. You say you, you're still interested in bringing him back, but you're clearly not if you're going to go back-to-back linebacker and edge uh, in, the, in the draft. And finally, in the third round, they go get themselves an offensive lineman to help uh, their, their quarterback with Damian Lewis, a guard out of LSU. Now, I don't know too much about Damian Lewis. He's a guard, so interior is usually you know, fairly well. And he's coming from LSU, the current national champions. But that was a stellar offensive line. So I don't really know how good this guy is, how much he's he'll be able to do on an offensive line that is struggling for help. So it, it's he's going to have to really prove himself uh, as a guy who, who will be able to help against Arik Armstead, Je, uh, Je, uh, Javon Kinlaw, and... Um, Chris Jones and uh, Ch- I mean Chandler Jones and all these other big guys in the uh, NFC West that he'll have to face twice a- twice a year. It's gonna be it's a strong task to you know to conquer and I don't know if he's gonna be able to do it. I thought that they could have gotten a guy like Tyler Biadesh who would have been a lot stronger of a pick for them. And and I re- I just don't like these picks. And then they add in the fourth round to top it off, Colby Parkinson, a tight end, <laughs> makes absolutely no sense. This is a team who just added Greg Olson. They have three tight ends who were coming back from injury last year. Now you're adding a fifth. Well, I don't know what kind of offense you're trying well, to. Well, they're run trying in to take Seattle. the playbook out of Chicago Bears and They're trying Yeah, the Bears no, have no, what, no, ten tight ends on their roster. Uh, so it, it, it's incredible how you know deep these teams are going on tight ends and i don't see it working out i think it's a complete backfire and of all teams i think the seahawks are a complete bust this year in in the draft they're making no sense they're not helping them themselves out they're not getting more weapons for their quarterback they're they're not protecting them any better it's a complete fail i think i think the seahawks
0: biggest pick out of their entire draft was Alton Robinson late, uh, late in the draft. They, they got the defensive end. I think he was a really good pickup for them. I think he's going to provide a lot of help. I think he was an undervalued asset coming into the draft, and then he fell on top
1: of that. Um, I mean, we see how, we see how good the, the CL Seahawks are good at drafting DNs. Last year in the first round, they got LJ Collier. He doesn't fit their system at all, yet they drafted him, and look what he did. Nothing last year. And I don't see him doing anything better. They got Jerron Reed back, but great. That's still, that's a player you had last year. That's not an improvement. Right, right. So Just
0: refilling that team. team Exactly.
1: And on the other side, they're adding Daryl Taylor and behind him Jordan Brooks. These are guys who may stay healthy, may perform, but most likely they're not going to. And especially not at that first and second round value.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um I'm I'm going to take my class and I'm going to it's the most obvious, I think. Um <laughs> I I didn't want to overthink this one, the Green Bay Packers. who what a big swing and a miss this uh, entire <laughs> draft was for them. So I'm just going to run through their picks pretty quickly. Uh first round was Jordan Love, then they selected running back AJ Dillon out of Boston College. Not bad. He's a little uh he's a little undersized, but he's extremely strong and he can he's a power runner. Uh, we'll get to why the pick doesn't make sense in a second. Tight end Josiah Deguara, De linebacker Kamal Martin, God, guard John Runyon, center Jake Hansen, offensive tackle Simon Stepaniak, safety Vernon Scott, and defensive end slash outside linebacker Jonathan Garvin. Um, I don't know what Brian uh, Gudekunst was thinking. I, I really don't know what was happening here. We, we went over the Jordan Love. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Um, A.J. Dillon, he's a good running back. I don't hate the pick. I hate the pick for the Packers because they have Jamal Williams and thing. Aaron Jones. You don't God, need man. a third running back that's going to do exactly what those two do. I, it, it just If you want him to catch balls, he'll catch balls. If you want him to run downhill, he'll run downhill. I don't... like. I don't know what they are trying to do. I think they saw what San Francisco did last year and had a rotation of three running backs, and they're like, yeah, let's do that. But, I mean, San Francisco realized that they didn't need three, and they just got rid of Matt Breida. I mean, I I really just, it doesn't make sense. Um, Then you pick up tight end Josiah DeGuara. There were so many so many tight ends on the board that they could yeah, have gone. Yeah, Adam Trotman
1: was still on the board at this point. Yeah, I mean, there
0: were... <laughs> uh, when I say so many, I mean, I would have taken maybe six or seven tight ends that were still on the board before I would have even found this guy's name. Um, o, yeah, yeah, I, I just really don't... I don't understand at all. Um, Kamal Martin, I, I don't know much about him. Um, as far as I know... He 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 was a pretty solid linebacker. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism, um, and he's not he doesn't have like the over leadership qualities that you look for in the middle of the field. I, I so I think that was kind of uh, a struggle. It's also, there. A
1: position it's a position they're already deep at. Right, they have Preston Smith, and uh, the other Smith. I can't remember Zedarius. His name. Z'Darri Smith, and then now they got Christian, McCa- um, Christian, Christian Kirksey. Kirksey. Right.
0: So, I mean, the three of the – you don't need – I don't know. You just drafted a backup. The The best yeah. pick out of all of this was John Runyon out of uh, Michigan. I thought John Runyon was, again, undervalued coming into the draft. I think his tape showed a lot more. Um, he was very versatile uh, in both the run and pass game, but he was also uh, – Michigan ran a certain style – Early on in his career uh, where the quarterback was doing a lot of, uh, you know, pre-snap stuff and um, he was able to kind of keep up and, um, you know, he's going to be a great guard at the next level, I think. I think he's going to – he's a really good uh, depth pick here and he's going to end up starting, whether it's for the Packers or for somebody else, I don't know, uh, but he will end up starting. And then everybody else that they drafted, were like – I mean – They could have gotten them as undrafted free agents, in my opinion. It just doesn't make sense. The the Green Bay Packers get a big F in my book. I mean, they clearly lost the deepest, most talented draft you're going to see in a long time. And this is not the draft that you wanted to whiff on by any stretch. Um, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did not make a lot of sense. When you you have—we already talked about Jordan Love, so I'm going to pass on to him right now. But, you know, going back to A.J. Dillon— when you have a guy, when you have guys like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams who were absolute workhorses last year, when one wasn't healthy, the other one was performing at their highest level putting up 2 300 yard, you know, games in, in scrimmage yards. You don't need to add another guy. AJ Dillon, his he's too good to be the third running back on this list. He's not he's going to be in on poor he's not even He's like a multi-use guy. He's not, you know, better in the pass game than he is in the run game. He's uh going to just he's kind of like an every-down back in a normal in normal system. And so having three of those guys who can do well in the pass and run game, there's no it's not doing much. It's not adding another layer or um uh, improving the the position in any way. You have three guys who can do the same exact thing. So I don't know what you're really, if you're just trying to get depth, you really only need two of them and you already had them. You know, J- Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams showed that they can both be 1,000-yard rushers each. And A.J. Dillon, I believe, can be another one. But you can't have three 1,000-yard rushers at the same time on the same team. It's, that's impossible. Especially when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. You're not going to run the ball that much. And what you really should have done was get this guy some weapons, and you absolutely failed. He asked for weapons, you said no. You're like, well, we got you, Devin Funches in free agency, a guy who didn't who missed last season with a, a you know an injury. Uh, so you know, good luck. You're you get the same weapons as last year, at least you know most of them. And uh, I mean, you get he's this, got uh, Equinemius Saint
0: Bowne. He's got Devontae Adams. He's got Alan Lazard. Um, those are weapons that he's
1: but they haven't developed with. yet. No, and, and they you're, haven't. You're hoping you're hoping they make a jump from year 1 to year 2, but it's a hope. And this is a team with an old quarterback who needs to who's looking to win now in a conference that is incredibly difficult. You have the 49ers, the Saints, the Buccaneers. It goes on and on and on, and they are probably the uh what? fifth, sixth team now. They're not the number 2 seed anymore. Even if you're the number two seed, you don't get a bye week. But they're not, so they're they're going to be playing for the next, you know, what, 20 weeks. If they make it that far, they're not going to. It's a they're they're gonna it's going to be brutal. It's a, they have a lot of competition to go through, and it's going to be an absolute nightmare because their quarterback doesn't have enough weapons. They may have an, a defense that could stop the you know the opposing offense, but are they going to be able to put points up? It's going to be really hard.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, you know, Green Bay and Seattle definitely struggled and, um, you know, it's not going to bode well for them going into this year. You talk about the Packers. I think every team in their division got better. Um, I think every team in the NFC West got better. Except for these two teams. I think that they both took major steps back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because, obviously, it's all speculation. It's all on paper. Things need to happen as we expect them to happen. That doesn't always happen. So, um, I mean, there, there's plenty of room for us to be wrong, but there's also plenty of us uh, room for us to be right. Um, so why don't you guys tell us what you guys think um, – you know who do you have if it's your biggest winners and losers what was your best and worst fit uh who do you think was a steal and what did you think about Jordan Love and, and Jalen Hurts I mean those were all you know the topics that we we truly felt that we wanted to talk about today and I want to get you guys' thoughts on that so feel free to leave us a comment both on this video uh on our Twitter page where we're always talking with fans and we, we love doing that um
1: so if you yeah, guys- now we have finally have something to talk about so uh let's get to debating i'm sure there's there's some topics like that we talked about and that we didn't even talk about that um a lot of people have questions about and, and really want to get deeper into so we have the time obviously we're all we're all still in quarantine day i don't even know 40 something at this point so uh you know let us know what your thoughts are and, uh, well we we can't wait to uh see you out there you know talk to you absolutely until next time
0: See you later, trash talkers.